Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And today is Monday, June 18th, 2018. And this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 73, the third paragraph, which begins, psychologists are inclined to agree, reading through three paragraphs ending with always considerate of others. Comments will be taken on all three paragraphs. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Esther F, the 12 traditions, Sandy L, and readers of the text this morning are Katie G and Russ M. And our backup, in case of you know anything, Allison L. The share ID number for yesterday's special edition, June 17th, the 8 a.m., uh, is... Oh, wait a minute. I don't have it down, but... As soon as I know it, I'll let you know. Um, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting, nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Esther F. to read OA's 12 steps for us. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Have a great day, and I pass. Thank you very much, Esther F. Uh, I just want to say the share ID for yesterday's special edition was 11548, 11,548. And I will now ask Sandy L. to read OA's 12 traditions for us. Good morning, everyone. This is Sandy L. from West of Chicago. Glad to be here this morning. The 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend an OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. That path. Thank you very much, Sandy L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This message does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 
to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we are resuming our study of the big book and we are on page 73, the third paragraph, which begins psychiatrists um, uh, are inclined to agree, reading through three paragraphs, ending with always considerate of others. And I'll now ask Katie G to get us started. Hello, Miss Anita J. Good morning. Hey, my fellows, it's Katie D. Recovered in Boston. Okay. <clears throat> Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we have been given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder, many in the medical profession have a lowly opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. We must be entirely honest with someone if we are to expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course, will want to go to the proper, uh, properly appointed authority whose duties it is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, we, must, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. <clears throat> we often find some, such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. If we cannot or rather, or would rather not do this, we search out our acquaintance for a closed-mouth, understanding friend. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be that person. It may be one of our family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. <clears throat> we have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand yet be unaffected. The rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. What an amazing action-packed couple paragraphs. So <clears throat> sometimes I hear people say, you know, um, choose whoever you want to do, and um, that's, that's great if that's your experience. It's not mine. Um, what the book's teaching me here is we think well before we choose this person or persons. Um, in my experience, um, you know, I have chosen a sponsor because I want someone who is going to what? Help me get to God. Help me to get a new experience to God. And as this book is saying, there are people who don't understand alcoholics. That's okay. Um, but I, I don't want to take my, my first step with them. I'm looking for a closed mouth, understanding friend who's going to help me see the truth, right? Because um, I need to clear up the past to have a future, and I need someone who's going to help me to be hard on me and considerate of others. This is not about me making a list of assets. Why? Because I never ate on my assets. <laughs> I never ate over, over good things. The other thing that's phenomenal about the fifth step <clears throat> is of all the insane things that I have to talk with someone, 
I want someone who understands that the most insane thing that I ever did was to go back to the food in a state of entire abstinence. That is my insanity. And I've done some crazy things with people, institutions, and principles. I've done a lot. But the most insane thing I did was in a period of abstinence, go back to the food over and over again. And that this is a life and death mission. This is not like some light, you know, whatever. This is, this is life and death. And if you're not clear on that, go back to step one. And, and the first part, I am powerless. I have no power. I gotta get to power. Um, you know, and, and the most profound, I love this line. We must be entirely honest with, with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in the world. That is a promise, too. I can live long and happily in this world if I'm entirely honest each and every day. So as a recovered woman today, looking back at this and recalling, you know, my fifth step experience the first time, it was, it was so freeing because I no longer was 10,000 people. I was an integrated woman and one woman sat before me and bore witness over and over again to the insanity of my living life on me without God and helped me see, no, Katie, that wasn't okay. No, Katie, that's your character defect. Do you see the damage that you're doing? Not as a way to punish me, but as a way for me to humble, to get humble, right? Because being humble means seeing me as I really am. You know, and as a recovered woman today, I'll just close with this again. Where am I being dishonest today like honesty is going to fracture me back into multiple personalities which is going to have me ultimately not needing god and going back to the food so um what a privilege to show up today in honesty with all of you and uh, excuse me i'm going to keep showing up and with that i pass thanks so much G. all right who else would like to share on these three paragraphs Well, anyone? Barbara E. Barbara E. Lisa B. Lisa B. Vinny T. Zini, spell that please. Vinny, V-I-N-I. V-I-N-I. All right, Vinny T. Well, this is amazing. All right, Barbara E., followed by Lisa B., and then Vinny T. Go ahead, Barbara. I am in shock. What a great reading. This is Barbara E. from New Jersey. Wow, I have to collect my thoughts really fast. Well, in the preceding paragraph, I saw grosser defects. Do it with another human being. I'm not of the Catholic persuasion So if I've offended anyone or I'm about to offend anyone, apologies. I only know of it when I see through television. I wished I was Catholic so I could go into a dark room and tell a priest my grosser defects and then be told do some Hail Marys, reminder, it's all from television, and be absolved for the day. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But I'm not Catholic. And I needed to find another member who I would share those grosser defects with. I indeed lived a double life. I wanted to enjoy that certain reputation. And 
the whole truth, the fear of losing my reputation, of lack of trust was always there before me. But I knew I had to be entirely honest. I couldn't hold anything back. Now, yesterday I heard on a wonderful presentation that this woman never found, again, a step sponsor. So she took the best one she could, God, her higher power. So she committed her food to God every day and said, if it's your will for me, you will put a a food sponsor in my path. And the same thing is true with my step sponsor. We found we had some fundamental disagreements. My step sponsor said that my 10th step should be done between myself and God, not with another human being. After listening to Vision for You for all these many, many months, I felt that for me it was important and I would be more honest if I did it with another human being. Another area in which there was disagreement was that after I finished the 12th step, I was pushed out onto the into the icy waters like a baby penguin, and I no, no longer needed to speak to my step sponsor at all. And I felt that I wanted this connection. I did want this tethering in to the mothership, which she objected to. So we lovingly agreed that perhaps it was time to separate. And a new step sponsor, someone who I could talk to and check in with just to see that I was right-sized, has not appeared yet in my horizon. So my step sponsor is my God. And I saw it yesterday, and I said, wonderful, wonderful. What better step sponsor could I have that I can go to and talk about when fear envelops me? This person said, oh, thank you. Okay. Wonderful. I can't wait to hear the other shares in the room. Thank you. I pass. Thanks a lot, Barbara E. All right. Good morning to you, Lisa B. Lisa, star one. I'm here. I apologize. I got stuck in a muting hallway. Can you hear me? I hear you. I hear you. Thank you. Thank you so much. My name is Lisa. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for your service. Well, um, you know, there's a few things that jump out for me. One is that word considerate because that's used in this reading this morning, um, but always considerate of others. And that means careful not to cause inconvenience or hurt to others. So that takes me back to when I was working with my recovered uh, big book guy taking me through this book. You know, I began to see that I was like a tornado rolling through, you know, the lives. I always brought chaos and disharmony. Um, But, you know, then it says the rule is we must be hard on ourselves. So, when I came in here, I was so full of so full of fear and anguish and pain of the bondage of self, oh self centered fear, always self centered fear, always you know my whole life, worrying about what you're going to think of me, how I look, how I sound, um, just everything, always whirling around me. So what really helped me with my guide is her explaining to me that the purpose of this book 
is explained in We Agnostics. It says that its main object is to enable me to find a power greater than myself, which will solve my problem. And it wasn't her. So she taught me early on that her role is just a guide, you know, not to um, be my chief critic and not to be like the person that, you know, worships me and tells me what a wonderful person I am. But through doing this inventory, she helped me see where my character defects are, where I fell short, but that I'm not this piece of trash. And, you know, I think that that's the wonderful thing about using this book as the guide, not her opinions, not her views. And even in the chapter working with others, you know, the sole purpose is not for me to be dependent on another person, but um, to really access that higher power. And that's what I felt led to share this morning, um, that, there, that it's so wonderful using this book as the guide and having someone in whom the problem has been solved that knows what the solution is and has a message to carry and then attempting to transmit it to me. And then ultimately it's up to me um, to do the work and to have that experience. But it was tremendous help to give that fifth step to her in, in sharing it honestly um, and just having her sit there and listen and point out things every so often and I could see the pattern of my behaviors. Um, but you know, when I came in here, I was just so afraid, so fearful of not doing anything perfectly and I'm grateful that I met someone that did not have this um, stick that would hit me. Oh, you didn't do that right. You didn't do this right. I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. Sponsorship can be a really tough path to walk for many people. I, I sponsor now. I work with others taking them through the book. And, you know, many people are traumatized. Um, and that's sad. And I know that that's not what this book is supposed to be about. And my role as a guide is to try to carry the message and not to have them dependent on me. But I also learned that I need to share with, an, with a recovered person. So with that, I pass. Thank you. you. You couldn't get anyone on the line. Now you can't get us to shut up. So <laughs> thanks, Anita. Yeah, it's a wonderful three paragraphs. Uh, thanks so much, Lisa B. Vinny T., good morning. You are up. Good morning. Thank you. Am I heard? Yes, thanks. Thank you again for your service. Um, I read uh, the, the uh, line, of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. And, of course, you know, all of us have encountered most people who don't understand compulsive overeaters. Um, but as I read this this morning, I kind of realized that I didn't understand spirituality at all. And I'm so grateful to have learned, you know, from my few years in OA generally, but most importantly from this book, uh, what that is, and I'm, you know, really striving to achieve that, and uh, I'm so thankful to have found a sponsor through Visions, and um, am well on my path. Uh, thank you again. Bye-bye. Oh, thanks very much, Lenny T. All right, I'm opening it up again. Who else would like to comment? Janice P.M.? I'd like to share Linda R., Okay. Well, Carolyn S.A. Wait, okay, now we've got him. Wait a minute, Janice P.M. Um, oh. Elizabeth D. Oh, wait a minute. What Linda R. To me? Linda R. And Carolyn S.A. Melissa C. 
And Carolyn S.H. All right. Elizabeth D. And Elizabeth. I have an Elizabeth. Is that you? That's me. Okay, okay Elizabeth D. All right. D. Okay, well, look D. At D Excuse me, moderator, what three paragraphs are we on? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. No, no, no. It's the bottom of page 73. Or I don't know where it is on the page. Third paragraph. Psychi psychologist starts with, and it, you read three paragraphs. Always considerate of others. So look, forgive me if they're out of order. Janice PM, Russ M, Linda, Elizabeth D, Carolyn, and Melissa. So let's go with Janice PM. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, my dear. <laughs> you really are so funny. God bless you. Okay, Janice PM from Medford, Massachusetts. Um, yeah, all the doctors that I used to go to, I played the victim. Poor me. You don't understand, doctor. You know, my my husband is this. I have a challenging son. And, you know, and they would be sympathetic with me. And then they would say, well, why don't you try this, Janice? Try this food plan. Go to this hospital. Get this doctor, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd come back and I would say, um, yeah, yeah, you know, but it it just doesn't work. I was such a liar. I was so dishonest. It would have worked if I worked it, but being so dishonest, you know, um, I never was willing to tell the truth. And that's why they don't have so much trust in us because we're liars. I mean, I'm a liar. I should talk about myself. I don't know about you. I'm very diso I was very disobedient because I wanted to do it my way. Naturally, their way for me wouldn't work. I didn't have the the willingness to expose myself in order to be free. I'm very unwilling to be honest. And these poor sympathetic men, you know, I was fooling them, and that's why they have this uh, this idea about us um, compulsive overeaters that you know we're doomed. We're doomed. Um, we seldom, I, 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 I seldom told the truth because I was so so filled with self will, um, of course. So now um, I'm dishonest, and um, they're trying to help me. What an awful thing. But you see, I had a sponsor from step one, and she kind of knew a lot about me anyway. So there's nothing better for me um, than an ex-problem compulsive overeater. And, um, yes, uh, you know, <laughs> I did have it in my mind um, because of my religion that I could, oh, I think I'll just go and tell a priest, you know, in the box. And, and, and you know, he doesn't know me. He, you know, he won't, you know, say anything. He'll give me whatever he has to give me for my penance. And uh, But, you know, I knew in my heart. I knew in my heart I was continuing the same thing to be dishonest because I didn't want to expose myself. But my sponsor already knew. So, yes, and um, she told me I wanted to, exp you know, tell certain people. Um, but then she showed me, um, she showed me that I would be doing more harm um, when I was ready to make the amends and all that. Um, you know, so we really need, uh, I needed, um, you know, somebody that has been through this program and, um, you know, she's still one of my sponsors today and very, very closed mouth. I never, I never heard her say anything about me to anybody. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Janice PM. Russ M., good morning to you. 
Morning, Ada. Morning, fellows. So, talking about confession, right? You know, it's got to come up. I've I've alluded to it in other shares too. You know, with being Catholic. You know, it, it's like until I wrote down and I worked on my fourth step, I didn't re- I didn't realize how dishonest I was. But once I had to share that with someone, there's like a mortification that went on. You know, I was really Something changed in my soul. Something changed in my spirit. And it overcame me that, look, I've really been a dishonest person. You know, subconsciously, whatever way, I had to take responsibility for that. And uh, the things that I wrote in my, uh, things that I shared in my fifth step, I never confessed in the booth. You know what I'm saying? So now, because of this beautiful fifth step, you know, I'm free, not not because of the food. I'm free in my in, in my soul, that I can be straight with myself and straight with another person. So when I hit the booth, it's like it's I'm pretty anal about it now, which is which is a beautiful thing. Secondly, taking a fifth step, I've taken fifth steps from my sponsees. That is, there is such a high responsibility and honor, and I'm humbled to be able to be a part of that, and to be a part. Now, I, I'm not doing anything. I'm just listening, guiding. There's something to that, man. That's like there's a high calling to that, and you know it aids in my own recovery because you know we're always reflecting back at ourselves, and it's just a beautiful thing. This whole process. Most most importantly, you know, fourth, fifth step, getting to the the reason why we're doing what we're doing, and why we struggle with this for our whole life. You know, it just took the shackles off. You know, so. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me share. Have a great day. And this is, you guys are having a great meeting. Let me cracking up. Have a good <laughs> Thanks, Russ M. All right. Linda, is it Linda R. or Linda D.? Yes. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you good. so much for uh, moderating today. You're making it so beautiful. And the joy of living, really. This is the joy of living. Linda R., grateful, recovered. Now I'm in North Carolina. Sometimes I really don't know where I am. I've been traveling around a lot lately. Anyway, this, uh, these paragraphs, I really relate to them, especially that last statement. Of course, we sometimes encountered people who do not understand alcoholics. And that's really basically, um, before I got into program and really started working the steps, I had no voice. I was unheard. In my family of origin, nobody ever listened to me. I was constantly criticized and judged for what I had to share. And it was just really a pattern that followed me until I got into program. And what a wonderful, wonderful journey, you know, finding people that really, that I could relate to and people that would really hear me. And, you know, the principle of step five is integrity. And it's just really being honest and gut level with someone. And, you know, I try every day to really align myself with these principles. And I'm very, very fortunate because I have these wonderful soul sisters and brothers in the program that I could fifth step. Like if I go, I, I just had a very uh, difficult time in a different place, you know, geographically, had a lot of family issues. But however, I was able to use that phone and contact my people that really understand me and that I get them. I take fifth steps as well. You know, it's, it's an honor when I take a fifth step from someone they can really be honest and open up to me. 
So for me, this is a very crucial step. It really did free me. And um, I relate to all the sharing today because it really unlocked a lot of feelings that I would, was pushing down. And that's why I overate because I couldn't really get, unlock those feelings. And once they were out and I could actually say them and hear them, a lot of them were distorted and things just got really back into where, you know, God wanted me to live this program and live my life. So thank God, bravo for fifth step. And then the best is yet to come because then I was able to work six through 12 and now maintain 10 through 12. So thanks for allowing me to share today. Oh, thank you very much, Linda R. Elizabeth D., you are up, followed by Carolyn S.H. Hi, thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, thanks, Carolyn. No, this is Elizabeth. I mean Elizabeth. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Elizabeth D. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in the Boston area. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We, uh, we know but few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. We have seldom, um, seldom uh, told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Um, unwilling to be honest. So my experience with this reading um, is different from what I'm, what I'm reading here. Actually, um, I um, have a, um, I have found myself in the office of medical professionals um, for, for most of my adult life. Um, and I always went there with the desire to get better. And um, I also had a faith life and thought, well, God's going to point the right person to me, the right doctor. And I always got the right doctor, the right psychologist, the right therapist, etc. And I knew because when I went there, I was desperate. I was drinking or I was eating compulsively. I was completely desperate um, that it was time to get honest with that person. Absolutely, totally honest. And when I um, started to work the steps and I saw um, the emphasis on honest, and the word honest, by the way, is said 20 times in the first 164 pages, um, I realized that that is the key. It doesn't matter who I'm giving my fifth step to. What matters is honesty. And for me, it's always been that I, I use my, uh, my sponsor when I, do, when I had to do a fifth step. And that really helped because no one more, more understands how I was dishonest with myself around food and other issues as well, but especially around food, than another um, compulsive overeater. And I needed to work with someone who was recovered, and I needed to go into those conversations exactly the way I went into those, the conversations with my therapist, ready to be entirely open and in, entirely uh, honest. I, I have um, a diagnosed mental illness, and um, you know I, there was, I was going through relapse for years and years, and I thought maybe I'm one of those people, people who's constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. Um, but what I have understood now, now that I've, I'm recovered, is that when I get honest and desperate enough to be entirely honest, that's when I can do the good work with whether it's with a, a therapist or with my fifth, fifth step um, guide. Um, I'm so grateful uh, that there are caring medical professionals out there and I'm grateful that this passage exists because I think that for me, 
um, I've needed both. I've needed, um, they're, they're two separate, I, I get help for my mental illness separately and that, that is a completely separate issue. Um, mm. And when I work with, yep, and when I work with sponsees, um, I, I don't have any say in, um, in their medical issues. Um, so anyway, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. Thank you very much. Elizabeth C. Carolyn S. H. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Anita. Good morning, all. Carolyn S. H. Calling in also from the Boston area. Um, good morning. I'm starting my timer. Um, and I am really enjoying the meeting this morning. So um, when I recently um, went through this step again and read this section, um, uh, I noted, uh, for me, I see three main ideas, um, which are that we have to be um, honest. We have to tell our story um, to someone if, if we're going to get over um, our eating, our compulsive eating. Um, two, that it has to be the right person, that we have to choose carefully. Um, and three, that uh, we have to tell the whole truth, that we can't hold anything back. Um, and where in the reading today, like where it says, um, you know, that first paragraph that we read, the, the whole truth. We felt, felt the problem was not that we didn't tell these psychologists the truth. We didn't tell them the whole truth. Um, and at the bottom of the very bottom, we must be entirely honest with somebody. Um, and to me, that's like that sentence is the summation sentence of the whole Step. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Um, and then the rightly, naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. That is so meaningful to me, that sentence, because um, uh, for the first time, like it, when I read this this time, it kind of brought to light this belief I have in me that um, I didn't have a right to choose who I tell stuff to because um, I grew up believing that, like, my thoughts were not my own. Um, I, I had uh, my brand of dysfunctional parenting <laughs> that was done to me was, um, you know, that I I it, I was like, you know, our family was like the Borg on um Star Trek, like you don't have your own personality, you don't have your own thoughts, and um, and I remember, um, and I really love the discussion about um, the box at church because um, I remember being a child and, and being in the box and just like telling everything that I thought was bad, um, and then the priest like pausing and going, uh, "Is that it?" Like you know, because I. I had done nothing bad as a tiny little kid, and I thought everything was bad. Um, and here, and don't get me wrong, I definitely have stuff to say in my step five. I, you know, as an adult, I've definitely done a lot bad. But um, hmm. but it's like, thank you. Yeah, my timer just went off. Um, and I'll finish by saying, like, this step is not only about being entirely honest, but it's about knowing what what is um like respectfully telling a human and having a human being respectful back um and i anyway i'm babbling now thank you i'll pass it back 
Thanks so much, Carolyn S. H. Melissa C., good morning. Hi, good morning, Anita. Thank you so much for your service. Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so so I'm not the only person that lied to therapists. Like, it's, it's kind of funny reading it um, in black and white, reading it in the book here. Like, yeah, this book completely describes me because I have gone to therapists in my life. There were three different times that I paid professionals to help me. And I didn't tell them the truth. You know, I just, I told them the pieces that I wanted them to know about me. Um, and then suggestions that they made to me, I didn't do. And I lied to them and said that I did it, you know. And I did the same thing um, in, in weight loss groups, you know, where they would give you a plan and, and tell you to do this. And, and I would come back and, and lie, tell them straight out, yeah, I did it. And, and, um, and so... Um, reading it here, it's like, yep, I belong. This is who I am. I'm in, I'm in good company. And, you know, my fifth step was really where I first learned um, who to get honest with. Because, see, the other thing I would do um, is that I would be honest um, at times with the wrong people, you know. And so, and it wasn't helpful. It wasn't helpful to me. And it wasn't helpful to them. It kind of pulled other people into things um, that that were uncomfortable, that made them uncomfortable, um, and, and it didn't help. And so um, I'm so grateful that um, I have this fellowship, that I don't have to search long and hard. Like, there's, what, thousands of us here who are all really hungering for this solution, and um, I'm amazed because every time I do a 10-step with somebody, because now that I'm, I'm practicing what I learned here, um, and I do it with rigorous honesty, I get, um, I get some insight. I get some, a new perspective. And so, you know, like over the weekend, I got, I got resentful at someone, and, and I shared it with somebody, and they pointed out to me, you know, they help me uncover where I'm selfish, that I don't want other people to have better than me. I don't want people to have more than me. And, you know, my dishonesty is that um, I would never admit that to myself. And so I would turn it around and bad, you know, bad mouth that other person who had more to me or wish harm on them. And, um, you know, and so uh, now that I'm honest, now I can bring that to God. Like, I need a human being in the middle for me to help me get to God. Um, thank you so much for all of you doing that for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks very much, Melissa C. Uh, all right, I'm opening it up again. This is Larry. Kim G. Vasa O. Vasa O. And one more. Madeline R. Morrissey. Okay, Maura, we'll see if we can get to you. All right. Larry Kay, good morning. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. Larry, um, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, step five, um, you know, we're reading about honesty and so forth. And um, step five, you know, we're, we're asked to share with God, with ourselves, with another human being, the exact nature of our wrong, wrongs. And, um, you know, I shared lots of things with lots of people. Um, 
Step five, you know, these, these steps don't work for everybody. One of the reasons they didn't work for me for a time is I didn't understand them and I didn't follow the instructions precisely. Um, I missed words. You snuck words into my book. You snuck words into the steps that I never read before. Um, I always cut corners. So when you talked about sharing the exact nature of my wrongs, oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to share the exact nature of my wrongs. I'm going to cut corners here. And I did that, and I proceeded to do that, and I, and I didn't share, honestly. I had blinders on, and this was an ego smashing. Uh, each step is designed to smash the ego, not to smash you down, to tear you down. And I missed that. I misunderstood that. It was a misunderstanding that I thought, you know, what, what are, we, are, we, are we trying to reduce me to nothing? Are we trying to? No, no, but I, in order for those blinders to be reduced and to be removed, my ego, you, you can't be honest and, and when your ego is still fully intact and I can't see the exact nature of my wrongs. All I could see is some of the wrongs, but then, well, but you wronged me as well. And so I never really got to the heart of the matter. And the problem with that is, is that as I continue to walk around with um, oozing with pride, false pride, I wasn't able to, to, to navigate through these steps to have an effective spiritual awakening. I might have a, a feel good. I might even have something spiritual in nature, but it was an ineffective spiritual experience. It wasn't sufficient to sustain me. And the obsession to go back to the food came back again and again and again. And I wondered, what was wrong with you? What was I missing? And I was missing so much. I had to follow these steps precisely. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Kim G., good morning. You are up. Good morning, Anita, and everybody. And I'm back. No, great excuse me. It was, Sorry. No, it was I'm not. Kim G., Kim G oh. first. Okay. Sorry. What happened to you, Kim? I'm right here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, all right. You're up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, I always like to look at this part of the book in context. Why are they giving us all these parameters of who could hear our fifth step? You need to remember when this book was published, what was the purpose of this book? The purpose of this book was that somebody in Kentucky would find out about what was going on in New York, and they would order this book and go through these steps as a, as a as a, um, as a manual and not have access to recovered people. So since they were assuming you wouldn't have access to recovered people, they're going to tell you what are those parameters of someone who you can give a fifth step to. So we're so lucky today. We're so lucky. We have access to recovered people. If you want to go out and do it to a psychiatrist or to a you know, religious person, that's fine. But the wonderful thing is we don't need to do that today. We do have access to recovered people. And, and I think it's important at least it was for me in my experience, to understand that the fifth step had a very specific purpose. And I'm just going to give you an example from my own life. I broke my ankle um, about seven years ago. And when I was recovering from it, I asked my orthopedist, you know, when can I start, when, can, when am I going to be able to run? And what he told me was, well, Kim, I have to tell you, as an orthopedist, I don't want you running. It is really bad for your skeleton to be running. But I'm sure because I know you have a cardiologist because you have, because you have a heart condition that your cardiologist would love you to run because running is very good for the heart. So because of where their focus was, 
what their recommendation was going to be was different. So I had to recognize that, that, you know, there's, you know, when we go into a fifth step, there's a very specific purpose. We're told in the beginning of the fourth step that one object is to, is to disclose damaged and unsaleable goods and get rid of them promptly without regret. You know, I remember reading in the history about a priest um, in the early times of AA when they were overloaded with the number of people that were coming through. And what they did is they taught the priest about the object in the fourth step and the fifth step. And that priest would just take fifth steps all day long. But he understood that what he was doing for these AAs was different than what he was doing for his regular, you know, um, congregation. So I had to know that I needed that. To, I, that's why I want to go to a recovered person because they understand what I am trying to accomplish in this fourth step. You know, we, we've heard a lot about talking to be honest. And I always think of that saying, we're sick as our secrets. If that was really true, if I just needed to talk about my feelings and talk about my life, honestly, I would have recovered long before OA because I spent a lot of time in all-you-can-eat buffets telling people about my life that I never recovered. What I needed was a specific skill set, and specifically those damaged and unsaleable goods are in that fourth column. I had to get down to causes and conditions in my defects in order to recover. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim G. Now, Vasa, you are up. Thank you. I'm sorry for making that mistake. Anyways, good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Vita calling from Fox, Massachusetts. And thank you, Anita, for your service. And, yeah, I came to step four and five, and I mean, being afraid, you know, and my spirit. You know, and then I prayed, or oh, I heard how other people did it, and they did not die, and I was not going to die. So my first, fourth and the fifth step, I did it with a psychologist. He was pastoral, whatever psychologist. And I'm glad he was not wearing any uniform. I probably, I don't think I probably would have stuck with him. But he understood the 12 steps, you know, and he gave me books that he had on the shelves recovering books, you know, with the 12 steps, and I would go home and read certain ones that I, you know, I could identify with. And uh, so the reason I did it uh, with him, because I knew it was going to be locked, nobody's going to know about it and or hear about it, and uh, I did a lot of complaining of my childhood, what happened, you know. And uh, I knew that was not going to be, he's, don't worry, I'm not going to put it in the newspaper. This is going to be staying right here. So I'm so grateful, and I needed to be honest. That, 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 made, me, that made me feel comfortable. It was going to be, stay, it's going to stay there. And I, it took me a while to develop that little trust to do it with him. And then, you know, it took me a while, and he said, well, are you ready to do it? And I spoke with my other sponsor. You know, she was my food sponsor. And she said, well, you know, I can guide you just up to my level. I think it's a good idea if you do it. And I did it, and I went with him. And uh, it was such a healing process for me. And one thing he did, he, like, he didn't force me, especially when we were in the sex part, he said to me, you know, if you don't feel comfortable doing this part with me, you, you know, you go and find a woman to do it. And I just felt like he had so much respect for me that he cared for me to do it with somebody else, not to be embarrassed. And, you know, and I ended up doing it with him. And it was just amazing. This person, 
he was very compassionate. And, um, you know, once we did it, he said, you know, I don't see anything horrible things about you here. You know, that's all there is. And I was almost like relieved. I thought I was really bad, you know. And, uh, you know, and then he changed his practice. He was getting older. He was not getting enough clients. And he decided to give up his business. And even before, you know, he told me about giving up his business, you know, he told me, he said, Vasa, go, I'll wrap it up, go to the 12 steps. You're doing great over there. You don't need me any longer. And keep going there. And and then I and then he told me he was going to retire, and I cried. Thank you for letting me share, and I passed. <laughs> Thanks so much, Vasa. Uh, Madeline, you are up. Thank you. Hi, everybody. This is Madeline, our recovered compulsive eater here in Pennsylvania. And um, with this particular step, it was necessary for me to speak to the right person at once as quickly as possible. Once that was finally written down, that needed to go. I needed to give that up and not hold on to it. I had done that for far too many years. And that those things stood between God and me and between me and the food. And so it was, it was time. And so I did think that it was time to talk to the right person and I thought it was important that that person be able to keep a confidence, just like it says. I mean, I don't have to think too much here. It's all plainly written for me, you know, that this person need to be fully understanding, you know, and, and approve um, what I was going toward, you know, and I just needed somebody to get that. And I know that sounds like a lot of eyes. It was just a lot of work that had to go to set me free. And I remember being... Uh, it was suggested to me by my sponsor to try to, that she was willing to take it, though they, she was very willing and understanding if we were able to move on and that I should just go to my higher power, who I chose, choose to call God, and ask who that person should be. And I thought, that's a bunch of crap. And all of a sudden, in a very quiet moment, very quickly on, this name of this person came to me who I had met. And they were part of the clergy. And I was like, no way, I'm not even doing that. I wouldn't even consider that, reveal myself there. I had already not been my true self because of embarrassment and shame with people that I talked to on a counseling basis, let alone speaking to the clergy about some of this stuff. And so I was always told that I was historian and I was writing down the past and I was just suiting up and showing up and giving it. And so I remembered that name and I thought, okay, if this is who I'm supposed to ask, I'll ask. And the name quickly left me. You see, and that was the sabotage of the disease because I said, see, I cannot even remember the name. Who should it be? And so I said, if, if that, you can't remember that name, I, I'm certainly not able to give them this huge you know, work that I need to get rid of and needed witnessed, so to speak. And the name very clearly came to me, and that is the person who took it. Just so surprising how when I stop long enough to follow good orderly direction, which I am getting from somebody who's recovered, and listening to their strength, hope, and experience and carrying it to the next level, the right person came twice within moments that I could remember their name and it was right. And that person definitely was the right person. They set me up according to what, what I was doing to be my witness. We were seated at a table. One of them pushed their, she had one chair there right next to me, lit a candle, pushed back, you know, away from the table and witnessed admitting to God, to myself, and another human being. So with that, I'll pass. And thanks for everybody's share today. 
Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Well, I think that that's exactly 7.55. So I want to thank everybody who shared today. And um, as soon as I get the share ID for today, I will let you know. Or they'll let you know on announcements. So stay tuned. Um, we're now going to close with the reading from the big book, as we always do, on page 164. And I will ask Russ M. to please read that for us. Thanks, Anita. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the records of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. You will surely meet us, meet some of us as you charge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thanks.